I always like to say I like God math. God math is way better than regular math. Um, one of my favorite bits of God math is this. Um, you know, when Jesus tells us, you know, to love our neighbor, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot with with kids at summer camp is if I've got a group of 10 people and everybody's concerned for their own interests and looking out for them for themselves, then everybody has one person that cares about them. But if I have a group of 10 people and everybody there decides, you know what, I'm not going to put my own interests first, but I'm going to put the interests of others first. Well, then I have nine people looking out for me and everybody else has nine people looking out for them. And so that's just better math. So what I want to talk today about was some more God math. And, and so looking at a very famous account following the death of John the Baptist, Jesus heard about it in verse 13 of Matthew 14. It says, and he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out and he saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. And Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Now, I, I like, I really love this because we're getting the beginning of some great God math here, right? Here's the disciples. Jesus says, don't send the people away. Give them something to eat. And the disciples say, well, we only have five loaves and two fish. And so they're at the beginning of learning about God math. Well, how does God math work? Well, in this sense of our God math, it works like this. God plus your situation equals, well, whatever you need it to be. I mean, here's the great thing. You might say, well, one plus zero can't equal two. Like, ah, but here's the great thing. You're also going to add one plus zero plus God equals, well, whatever, because God's abilities are endless and limitless. His, uh, You might look at the situation and say, my situation is impossible, but impossible plus God equals possible. You see, this is the beautiful thing about God math is that you might, again, look at what you have and think it's not enough. Well, that's the situation that the disciples are in, and they're about to learn God math. Dun, dun, dun. So here we go. So they say to him, we only have five loaves and two fish, right? So they're looking at the side of the crowd, and they say, this is what we have, and here's what we need. We don't have enough to meet our need, right? This is my need. I have, this is what I have, A. This is what I need, C. A plus uh Five loaves and two fish doesn't equal C. You know, that that's just what I got. I guess A is five loaves and two fish. That does not equal enough. But add in Jesus and, well, everything changes. When you add in Jesus, everything changes. The possibilities, the end, are completely different. And so what happens? Well, you might know the story. It says, then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and disciples gave to the multitudes. 
And so they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men besides women and children. So it wasn't just that God added a little bit. It's God added a whole lot of it. So Jesus, Jesus plus whatever your impossible situation is equals a possible situation. And to me, that is a glorious thing. And uh, I had a pastor years ago that used to say, you need to have an impossible situation in your life all the time. You need to be a, you need to be on the lookout for an impossible situation. Because when you have an impossible situation, you are forced then to rely on the Lord. And so there have been many times in my life where, where I very deliberately said, well, what's my impossible situation? And I thought about, well, here's the thing that I'm not doing. Here's the place that I'm not going. Here's the, here's the steps that I'm not taking because I don't see how it's going to work. Rather than just saying, okay, you know what? Impossible situation plus Jesus equals possible situation. Now, I'm not saying you just go out and start trying to do impossible things just in saying, okay, Jesus, come, come and help me win the lottery by you know, buying a lottery ticket every week. I'm not talking about silly stuff like that. I'm talking about when you're serving the Lord, when you're desiring to do work for him and you realize, you know what, I have this call upon my life to do something, but I don't have the skill set or I don't have the money. I mean, I don't know how many ministries have not started because there wasn't money. But you see, the problem is if people, and people do this all the time, they wait for all the pieces to come into play before they act, right? And that's not how faith works. The way faith works generally speaking, is this. God speaks. God lays something upon your heart. God puts a calling upon your life. And then you respond in, in belief and God shows up. You know, sometimes what happens is we, um, I, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a story from my own life. Uh, I had a, a youth group when I was a youth pastor of middle school and high school aged kids. And I had this kind of, um, well, I guess it was a calling. I felt like God put it upon my heart to to start a youth group for the little brothers and sisters because I knew a lot of my youth group kids had younger brothers and sisters that were longing for the day when they could come. And I thought, well, if they're all if they all want to come, but they're not old enough to come, well, let's have something for them. And so I started I started trying to get help. I started saying to the church, look, I this is what I this is the calling I have, but I don't want to do it myself. I have so many other things I'm doing. I don't want to do this myself, so I, I need help. And I had a, a meeting one time about people to help me, and the people that showed up were a teenage girl who I think at the time was like 13, and uh, a guy that was already helping my youth group but was about to move away, and his parents, who only came to the meeting because they wanted to have lunch with their son. And so I was like, well, forget it. This isn't going to work. Nobody's showing up. But you see, I'd forgotten about my God math. And so shortly after that, I was, I was preaching. And I remember I was actually preaching outside at the, at the park um, with my church, uh, church in the park day. And I was preaching on this topic about if God calls you to do it, you do it. And you allow God to fill in all the blanks, all the things you don't understand, all the pieces that don't, that aren't there. You don't have to worry about that because it's God math. And I realized, oh. I'm doing the same thing. Here's this thing that God has laid upon my heart and I'm not doing it because I'm seeing, I'm seeing it the wrong way, right? There's a great line in the book of Zechariah that's where God says, not by might and not by power, but, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
and the words for might and power there are it because you know it's like god are you being redundant uh, he's not because one word means like alligator or crocodile and one word means army right and so what he's basically saying is not by the power of one and not by the might of many but by the, my spirit says the lord because in the book of zechariah god is calling them to rebuild the temple which is a huge a, a huge and daunting undertaking and it's kind of the situation is like well how are we going to do this we don't you know in, in what god's saying is look it's not by having the right person the right leader it's not by having the right number of people it's by my spirit so what do you need to accomplish what God has called you to do is you need a spirit. And so you say, all right, Lord, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm trusting that your spirit is going to empower me and provide for me what I need to accomplish this. And so with my, with my preaching that day, I left there and I was like, we got to do this. I don't have any help. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to do it. And so off we went, I made the announcement, put out the flyers, told people, and we had kids come. And I don't remember how many it was. I mean, this was years ago, but I don't remember if it was five kids or 10 kids, but I do remember this. I had more helpers than I had kids. When it came time to do it, all kinds of help showed up. I had teenagers from my youth group come and help. I had some parents come and help. I had people that didn't have kids that were grandparents who didn't have kids nearby come and help. I had an entire family um, come and help and actually take on a huge role within it. And the thing was that we did that, I don't know if we did it for two or three years, but uh, it was we were doing that basically until we left, um, left that church. And we did not one single time ever, not one single time ever, did we have more kids than we had help. Which is pretty amazing because all the years that I had a youth group, I usually only had a couple of helpers plus my wife. Um, and many times it was just the two of us. And here I had a younger kids group and we always had help. And like I said before, more than I needed abundantly, exceedingly above all I could hope for and imagine. And what did it take? Well, was it me? No, it was just, it's God math, right? If God calls you to do it, if God lays it upon your heart, you can sit around all day long waiting for the money to show up. And you can sit around all day long waiting for the help to show up. And you can sit around all day long waiting for the missing pieces to fall into place. Or you can step out in faith and say, all right, God, I'm moving. I'm going. I'm doing what I'm doing what I believe you're going to have me do. And I'm trusting that you're going to fill in the blanks. And that's faith. That's faith. That's trusting that God is going to do those things that he's called, that he has uh, said he would do. And if God's called you to do it, he's going to enable you to do it. God's not going to call you to do it and then say, aha, I'm just joking. I didn't, I'm not going to give you the power. To, I'm going to, um, yeah. I'm not going to provide what you need to do what I've called you to do. So, um, whatever is going on in your life today, if you're looking at your life and you're saying, I don't, I don't know enough. I don't have enough skills. I'm too timid. I'm too, I'm too this. I'm too that. Whatever the shortfall, shortfall is, remember this, that it's God math. You say, I'm not good at talking in front of people. I'm, I'm not, I'm an introvert. So introvert plus God equals, I don't know, evangelical outreach. I mean, who knows? Who knows? The little you have, the little you have, he can do great things with great and mighty things far beyond what you think to, to these extent, extents and extremes like we see here where there's leftovers. So don't be afraid. 
Don't let your uh, your bad math mess you up. Do some God math. God bless you. Talk to you next time.